Blog Talk Radio. Redbird Rant, uh, Redbird Rants podcast. This is Extra Innings. I am Tito Rivera, and I am joined by my co-editor Michael Miles, and by our contributor Gene Bonds, or as you may know him as Crash STL on Twitter. We do have a special guest today, and I'm going to toss everything over to Crash. So let's get it started. Thank you, Keto. Um, it's my pleasure to welcome KMWX Sports Director Tom Ackerman to the show tonight. Tom, how you doing? Crash, I'm doing well, guys. Great to be on with you and uh, appreciate it. We are early in the baseball season. We are close to the home opener, and uh, it's a pretty exciting time. I'd like to apologize in advance. We're doing this right in the middle of the game. I, I saw Fowler <laughs> and Fam went back-to-back, so but I will try better timing next time. Well, I've got uh, my six-month-old yellow lab to my right. I have a forehand citywide to my left, and then I just cracked open, and I've got the Cardinals-Brewers game in front of me. I mean, and you guys on the phone. I mean, that's a pretty good setup, I'd have to say. You cannot beat that at all. Anyway, we we thank you for your time. Um, Before we get to to, uh, some Cardinals talk, I'd like to kind of jump in, kind of – what I've what I've been trying to do, Tito and and Dr. Miles kind of gave me the opportunity to to kind of give a different take. What we're trying to do is kind of interview the interviewers. So um, the show is basically about you tonight. Um, I just wanted to start your country day, Indiana U- University, all the way to KMWX Sports Director. Can you kind of share a little bit about your journey with us? Well, I appreciate it. I mean, I started, uh, like you said, at Country Day, MICDS, and uh, I you know, played a lot of different sports there, but it was, uh, the, I became the public address announcer for football. Um, I got to be uh, a little small to play football, and I really didn't grow until my senior year in high school, freshman year in college, so I was uh, a little oversized, you know, outsized, I guess. And so I, I decided that uh, I was going to go up to the booth. I'd, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a broadcaster. And I got the opportunity to, to be the public address announcer for some of our um, freshman teams and JV teams. And when the, the varsity PA announcer left for a job at a university, I took over that job as well. So, you know, back in the day, for those of you who grew up in St. Louis, at halftime, I would call up the KMOX sports line, 3211111, and I would listen and write down all the college football scores on Saturday afternoon. And at halftime, uh, of, after doing the first half, I would deliver the, the sports cast over, the, air, over the, the, you know, speakers for the crowd. And I love the reaction you got. I love going through the scores and the stories. And that was kind of the beginning of it, even – from when I was a little kid running around the house pretending like I was calling my own game, whether it was baseball, football, basketball, you know, I was in the game and I was also calling the game. So, I mean, I just always had an infatuation with broadcasters and growing up in St. Louis, we've been really lucky to have great, great broadcasters. And they all at some time or another went through KMOX radio, which was this constant uh, thing in my life that, I listened to Jack Buck. I listened to everybody that was on the station. And like many of us did, Dan Kelly, you know, taught me about hockey, listening to him. And uh, when I went to college at Indiana University and I kind of each year gained a little bit more experience in student radio, when I graduated from IU, I decided that I was going to give it a try. I was going to go to the station that, that I grew up listening to and see if I could just get my foot in the door. And I did. I got, uh, I got a job as a board operator, engineer slash, you know, get coffee, answer the phones, uh, made seven bucks an hour and just sort of worked my way up in the last 20 years to, to get to this spot. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of think that what I am is a St. Louis kid that 
love sports and still I still do, but over time I've just you know been able to meet some great people, tell a lot of stories, listen to their stories, learn from those people how to be a broadcaster, and uh, you know I, I always look at myself as not not far removed from my listeners really. I just have more access than they do. And so I try to take them a little bit behind the curtain and try to help them understand what's going on with their favorite teams. I got to tell you, the, the list that came with just the history, it is, it's simply amazing. I don't know of any other city that can can say that they've pumped out the, the talent and the respectful gentlemen that we've had come through the Game Oaks Airwaves. And I include you in that. I think you're doing a great job. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I, I mean, it's very nice to say. I, I, when I think back now, having been there 20 years, and I look back and think of all the people that I looked up to, Mr. Buck, that I got to work with for five years, and everybody that, that has come uh, after him, it's just been an incredible run. And, you know, you think about the greats in the business right now, Joe Buck, Bob Costas, et cetera, right on down the line, who who are KMOX alums, and Mr. Costas is going into the Hall of Fame this summer in Cooperstown, and I'm going to go <laughs> – uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to be there because um, he's meant a lot to me, but also a great deal to our radio station. And it's it's the success of those broadcasters that that makes us who we are. I mean, we we can always say we were there. We were the ones that, um, you know, they they rose through the ranks at our place, and uh, it, it it really carries through today as we have a standard to live up to that they set. All right, um, and and kind of doing some homework trying to trying to make this as best as I possibly could. I came across a quote from you, actually, if we can touch on Mr. Buck a little bit. Uh, your quote is, Mr. Buck, I'm Tom Ackerman. I just started working here. Can you kind of take it from there? Because I can't even imagine that. It's, it's just I, I, I had the pro- pleasure of meeting him twice. The first time, I I think I just stood there with my, 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 mouth, my mouth open. <laughs> if, you, if you could just yeah, take I mean, it from there and just kind of share that story, it, it had to be just you, surreal you to you. About- yeah, I mean, you just think about the, you know, the voice that you heard through the years, and I did have the chance to see him out in public every so often as a kid growing up. I mean, you'd see him at a restaurant or outside the ballpark or somewhere like that. One time I saw him at a Mizzou football game, and you could just hear him from across the way, like, there's Jack Buck, wow. Now I am 22 years old, and I'm working with him for the first time, and I walked into the sports office, and he was in there by himself, and, um, I, I mean, um, you know, like you said, I mean, I'm kind of trembling just to be able to talk to him and say that I'm working there. And I said, Mr. Buck, you know, I, I'm Tom Ackerman. I'm, I'm working here now. I, I'm doing some news, but also some sports. I'm going to be helping out any way I can. If there's anything I can do, I'm just such a big fan. I grew up listening to you, <laughs> you know, like everybody says to him. And, and he looks at me and extends his hand and he goes, what kind of pizza do you like, kid? And I said, uh, pepperoni? And he goes, I'll buy it if you go downstairs and get it. And I said, okay. So he picks up the phone, calls uh, Domino's or whoever was nearby, and, uh, yep, Buck, uh, one Memorial Drive, right, Game of X. And I, he gives me money. I go downstairs and get it. And we, you know, sat there and had a pizza, and people were kind of coming in and out of the office. And, um, I mean, it was an incredible icebreaker, and so he left the room, and I called my mom um, just out of nowhere, and she said, how's it going? And I, I said, it's great. I said, I'm actually I'm sitting here in the office having pizza with Jack Buck. She's like, what? And I said, I, I'm sorry, i got to go. He's coming back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was just, you know, I mean, what a what a day. And that's just how he was. You know, he was just amazing to everybody. And it didn't matter what your role was. He liked people and he liked to hear your stories and he liked to, to talk to you. And, and he was a great listener and he remembered a lot of great things. And of course his generosity is legendary and it was very generous with his money, but also with his time. And um, you know, the things that he did around town that I learned from, I think he's the greatest to ever get behind the microphone, but I also think he's the greatest MC that I've ever seen. And um, the, the, what he did for so many organizations in St. Louis, people, there are still stories that come out about him showing up and hosting events one after the other, just because he felt like it was 
something that he needed to do. Uh, St. Louis has not had a better ambassador. Now I sound like Tony Larusa. There has not been a better ambassador in the city of St. Louis in its history than Jack Buck. Obviously, you have a ton of love and respect for Mr. Buck. Uh, when going through my notes, I saw that you get to emcee the Jack Buck Sports Awards. That has to be another surreal moment for you. You get to you get to host Mr. Buck's awards. Yeah, I mean, I, I just recently did it for the tenth time, and I sat there and I'm thinking, I can't believe this. Like, I've I've hosted this now for a decade, and I don't quite understand how this happened. But then again, you know, I it was my familiarity with him. I went to all of them from the first day that I was at KMOX. I knew of the event, and I went to it that December. I started in August and went in December, and I was around it a lot. And then when Mr. Buck passed away, Joe uh, took over for a little while. Julie did it for a year, uh, his sister. And, and then Joe, um, when he decided to basically pass the torch the Missouri Athletic Club, based on his recommendation, asked uh, if I would do it. And it was just an incredible feeling. And, um, you know, I've been doing it ever since. And so it was, that is a, a, it's a surreal night still is to get up there in front of that crowd, which is the best banquet crowd because, you know, the, the event starts at about 8 o'clock, 8.15. They've been getting after it for a while. They're all excited. And we always have a great lineup of celebrities up there. And it's also my chance to kind of let it loose a little bit, even though it's being broadcast on the air, both radio and TV. Yeah, you can ha- kind of have some fun and poke some fun at people in, in the Jack Buck tradition. And that is just uh, that that is an amazing night. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing. Um, before I turn it over to Tito and, and Dr. Miles for a few questions, I just wanted to touch on one more thing. Um, in the past, I really didn't have a whole an, an opportunity to listen while I was at work, but this this past spring, I've had a chance to listen to you on Cardinals.com broadcasting games, and I got to tell you, I think you do an outstanding job. And my question is, do you see yourself kind of moving in a in that direction? Are you going to stick with sports directing? What, what would you like to do? Well, I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I'm uh, I, I'm just thrilled anytime you can get on a headset and call a Cardinals game is an amazing feeling for somebody that grew up listening to those broadcasts and and the the level of respect that I have for the broadcast and you know, gosh, I mean, I think you know, you think down the road, um, you know, if you were to call play by play of a team, that would be one of the all timers and. You know, I think that's something that uh, you know it's got to be it's got to be way down the road. I mean, you know, there's a broadcast right. crew that that is great and uh, that that we work really well together. And you know, I think I I think it would it would have to everything would have to just you know be be the the perfect uh, the perfect timing and the perfect storm, I guess you, you could say that. Uh, for something like that to happen, I mean that's 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 one of those things that you just have to hope that someday. But you know, for right. right now, I mean, I'm I'm like, you know, every single day I can walk in that station and do the morning show on KMOX and be part of this incredible, <laughs> you know, this incredible crew and, and amazing team, and it's just awesome. And then I I get to do college basketball on the side. You know, they allow me to do college basketball on both radio and TV throughout the year and it's uh it's it's a pretty good thing i mean uh, the play-by-play uh element is is uh is an awesome feeling because you know when you're calling a basketball game and that ball goes up in the air i mean that is your responsibility is to call that game on tv your your responsibility is to the entire crew that's putting it together and on radio you have to tell the listeners exactly what's happening because they are blind to it and it, that that's an awesome feeling as well. Both of them are are great. Uh, there isn't a bad day for me. That's that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely living the dream. All right, um, Tato, Dr. Miles, you have anything for for Tom? Yeah. Hey, Tom. This is Tito. Uh, we actually got to meet uh, last year at Kegs and Eggs for the home opener. Um, I'm a good friend of uh, Kevin Corpus, um, so we got a chance to speak uh, last year and I just wanted to uh, 
to to kind of highlight your you know the kegs and eggs event I saw on Twitter that you were kind of highlighting it too. Did you want to uh, take some time to uh, talk about that real quick? Yeah, I appreciate it. No, it's great to talk to you, and and it's going to be an awesome party. We'll be at Eighth and Walnut, which is right outside Ballpark Village, right there. And you know, there's some construction going on there, so we had to move from a parking lot location at Ballpark Village, but. We'll be on a great street corner there downtown, real close to the ballpark. I think there are still a few spots left as we speak right now on the Camo X website, but they'll be gone by Thursday. And it's um, it's a great event. It's uh, all-inclusive, so they have uh, food and drink. And I, I don't know that it's an all-you-can-eat um scenario but i think you can you know fill up a a huge plate of food and there's all kinds of stuff going on activities and drinks and and it is a really cool thing and we bring in a lot of guests so mark reardon and i are going to do a show from two till the start of pregame and we'll have uh, a lot of the dignitaries and uh, front office folks come in in and out of there and, and do some interviews and That'll be a good time as well, but it's a really good party. And then on top of it, you know, it's going to be it's going to be nice on Thursday, but it, it will be cool because the wind will be blowing, and so it's a nice mm-hmm. uh, tent as well to kind of get out of the elements. But I think we I think we lucked out weather wise for Thursday. At least I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah. So if anybody's listening now, you know, uh, all you Cardinal fans, make sure to check out Kegs and Eggs with KMOX. I went last year for the home opener, and it was a great time. Um, there's plenty of food and there's plenty of drinks to go around and uh, just watching and seeing all the special guests that come up there. Um, and it, it was actually a really special time for me because of Yadier Molina's extension, you know, being Puerto Rican uh, and, and and receiving that news and, and, and living that in that moment was, was one of the best things. And I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Tom, what do you think, what at the end of the day does Yadier Molina go into the Hall of Fame in your book? Yeah, he'll be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's one of the greatest catchers ever, and he's going to continue to to pile up the accolades. I mean, I think his offensive numbers are getting up there, um, but it's you know it's his defense certainly that that'll be highly regarded, and I think there's a chance that he could still add another ring, and the championships are are definitely a factor. I mean, if you look at him compared to other catchers, I think he's definitely in that conversation. Now, um, the Hall of Fame uh, voting process, it, you know, it, there, there's, it is a process, and, and we're still years away from that happening, but I don't think anybody will forget what Yadier Molina did in his career. And I think longevity is a huge part of it, too, and staying with one team certainly is mm-hmm. uh, can, can be a part of it. And then we're talking about a guy who's, in his 14th consecutive year of starting for a team at behind the plate is just an awesome thing. And he looks as good as he's ever looked too. So I, yeah. I think there's reason to believe that he still has some good years out of him. Yeah. And, and I want to touch on his start to the year. You know, he's got two home runs and uh, one of those came off of Noah Syndergaard. So it, to me, it doesn't look like he's really lost a step. What have you noticed about this year's, um, performances by Yachty uh, compared to last year at the beginning of the year? Um, I, I think uh, his performances this year compared to last year, I mean, I, I think right now um, I, I think he's uh, about where he was. I mean, I, I think that he came out in spring training. I mean, you know, the game that we did where he went four for four and hit two home runs and almost had a third home run and, tagged a runner out at home and picked off a runner at first. I mean, he's just all over the place. He looked like he was in midseason form. I think, you know, in some past years, remember, he's had, you know, the hand, the thumb, the you know, he had some injuries that lingered at the end of the year. Um, I, I still believe that he does need to take some time off so that in October you're, you're still working with as fresh of Yadier Molina as you can, but, you know, he's going to – he knows his body, and he's going to be able to play, and he's going to play a whole lot. Um, I, I've, I I just I just think you've seen a guy who's taking great care of himself. He's certainly motivated. I mean, I think that, you know, he wanted to show that, that, he, was, uh, that he was worth an extension, and he certainly has that competitive fire within him. I think that the Cardinals um, also are a team that can be a real threat in the National League, and I think – that he believes that. So 
uh, the, the awareness that Molina has of the rest of the staff and of the game itself will be his legacy. You know, when, when people talk about him years from now, they will talk, you're going to hear stories after he retires about how he controlled a game, controlled a team, a series, a situation, how he guided this pitcher this way, this way. You know, you're going to hear a lot of stuff about what he actually did to, to keep a team going or to teach the game or, or to guide pitchers through. I mean, I've, I'm just uh, blown away by him as a player. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Um, Well, I do have one question because it is the talk of St. Louis right now. um, And I, and I think you know exactly what I'm going to get to here. Uh, Tommy fam. Yeah. (laughs) Tommy fam obviously made some comments today, or at least some comments that we saw nationally. Uh, in the article with Sports Illustrated, what did you take away from from his comments? Uh, I read the story today, and by the way, I just watched him just crush a ball down the line and left yeah. for he another had double the so, earlier too. You know, yeah, and he had the home run, yeah, so I'm sure it's gotten back to him. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I read it. So I'm trying to picture him sitting in a Chipotle in Miami in February (laughs) talking about this, right? And then in his apartment, I was like, they did a nice job of painting the picture. And he's sitting there at his Mm -hmm. coffee table in his high-rise apartment in Miami, overlooking Miami Beach and downtown. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm I'm just really happy that Tommy Pham has gotten to this point, first of all, because he has battled. I mean, he has really battled injuries, doubts, um, doubters throughout his career, and he's gotten to this point. He's the number two hitter on the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's really good. I mean, he just came off a terrific year. And the reason that he's gotten to this point is just what you read. I mean, he is motivated. He's different than pretty much everybody else on that team, and um, he uses it to his advantage. Now, that doesn't always come off very well, but he is a motivated individual that you want part of your club. You want people who are who want to be good and want to prove people wrong. You don't want it to be um, you don't want it to be bad for the the entire uh, clubhouse. But I don't know that it is necessarily. I haven't sensed that it is. Um, and Marcelo Zuna just hit a ball to uh, Canada, I think. Um, I actually called that home run today. <laughs> you said he was going to hit it to Canada? Yeah. Well, I said he was going to get his whole first home run today. <laughs> um, we'll take but, it. We'll take it. Uh, yeah. You know, he he's, he's a competitive guy, and all I know is that, you know, you want to be around winning players. And if Tommy Pham is out there to to do the best for the St. Louis Cardinals and to prove that he can be the best on this team, and he and he's and he's out there getting the job done and working hard and putting in the work ethic, I mean, he's going to say he's going to wear his heart on his sleeve. Now, I mean, I'm not saying I condone the F word, and if he's you know throwing around language, but it's it's said. I mean, it, you know, things things come out, and and sometimes they don't come out the right way. Um, now, there's another side of it, too, is that he needs to understand that this is a business. And the business of sports is this. They pay what they are able to pay and what they, are, what they can pay. If, what, what I mean by that is if they don't have to pay you a certain amount, they, don't re- they aren't really going to. I mean, they're, they're going to, to go so far as to what, what uh, your status is and, and – Everything like that. So, you know, the fact of the matter is Tommy Pham has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. He's 30 years old. And um, right now they are going to pay him for what he's going to give them from this point forward. As for everything else that happened that he described, I mean, I think I think some of that is is probably – probably warranted. I mean, I think that he, you know, felt like he had a better chance of beating out certain players and getting out in front of them. I mean, he had some great moments. 2015, he hits a home run against the Cubs in the playoffs to get that series rolling. 
Um, mm-hmm. He had, of course, some uh, chances to, to get out in 2016 and beat out some players. And, and I think that I felt like he was better than some of them that the Cardinals were putting out there. But they were giving uh, other players, kind of as he said, you know, they're paying some other players. Um, and so they're going to give those players more of an opportunity, I guess, to, to prove their worth while they continue to kind of – they know that they can hold him and, and – and kind of keep him waiting in the wings, um, and that's frustrating and hard, and uh, and especially for a minor league player who's in his upper twenties trying to break out and be great. But I will say this: in 2017, I mean, I was there for most of the spring training. I mean, Jose Martinez beat him. I mean, Jose Martinez. Yeah. It was basically came down to Jose Martinez and Tommy Pham for an outfield spot, and, and I think Tommy would even tell you, just you know, Jose beat him fair and square. I mean. I and I didn't see Jose's. I didn't see Jose's name in that story. Jose Martinez beat him, and um, and Tommy went back and worked on it and got himself back, and then he came out, you know, like crazy in mid in beginning of May and never looked back. And I think he's he's earned the right to to talk a little bit, um, but let's see him. You know, let's see him continue to back it up. I think it's fine. I, and, and I'm not, uh, and I'm, I'm not picking sides here. I'm, I just, I'm not going to pick a side because it's a business, and the Cardinals have something they need to do, and the player always has something that that they need to do. All I care about is that both sides want to win for the St. Louis franchise and for the fan base. And that's the bottom line: winning. I, I agree 100% with you. <clears throat> I, I kind of want to ask a, a follow-up question to this as well, and, and that is, do you feel – what have you been hearing, or do you think the front office will make any comments about this, or do you think they really even need to make any comments about what was said in, in that article? Oh, I think that they'll – I don't know that they'll talk – that they'll pick the article apart necessarily, um, but it sure. will be brought up, and, and they'll be asking. And I think that what John Mosellock and, and Bill DeWitt will do is to talk more about the relationship that they have with Tommy and, and that I think that Tommy will control some of this also. I think it's already been put out there. It's very well known that FAM um, was not pleased with – the offer that the Cardinals gave him and that um, that on the flip side that he was going to, like he said, gamble on himself that he was going to have a really good year. So I think, I think that's already known out there that they're, that they didn't see eye to eye on that. Um, you know, so I, I'm not sure. I think, um, I don't know that Tommy really needs to say much more than he did in the sports illustrator article. I mean, it's already out there now. Sure. Now the Cardinals, you know, can can they're probably going to go about it and just say, you know, look, we we love him. He's he's gonna he's gonna be our center fielder. He's uh, batting number two in the lineup. We want to win. We we want him to. We want everybody to to be on the same page. I mean, I I think that's probably how it'll be handled. I'm not sure that they will be fanning any flames. I I just don't I just don't see that. But it certainly is an explosive article, and it it took me a little by surprise just that the the length and depth of some of the quotes, you know, I think we all knew that yeah. that Tommy speaks his mind and again wears his heart on his sleeve. But um that one I, was I think uh, if there is I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that yeah. I mean that's 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 pretty much, you know, something that Sports Illustrated's famous for. I mean they, they you know, they get in there and, and get uh in depth and and really go behind the curtain and they they they've been able to get personalities to really open up. I think if anything is said, it'll be kept in house, obviously, and I think that's the right way to go. I mean, publicly they'll they'll support Tommy, obviously, just for the team, but anything more than that, it'll be kept behind closed doors, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it will be. I mean, you know, I I think and look, these guys, you know, if, if if these guys are playing well, everything will take care of itself. I, I really believe that. If the team if this team doesn't play well. Um, and players are going to go through slumps, but if they pick each other up and the team plays well, winning usually heals a lot of those things, and everything should be all right. And then you, know, you see at the end of 2018, however the Cardinals finish and however Tommy and the team finishes, kind of where they stand in terms of his next deal. 
So they renewed his contract, and then you see, and that's just the way it is in, in this business. You know, this 2018 team, that every year I look at a Cardinals team, I just soak it in because it will not be the same team next year. It just won't. None of these teams are. You know, that last right. the last game, whether they're spraying champagne all over each other or whether they are hanging their heads after getting knocked out of the postseason or the regular season, um, I look around and I say, this is it. Like, the last time you see this group. So it's just part of business. Players come and go, except for Yadier Molina. He never goes anywhere. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's, part of, it's part of the business. And um, he, I, I know this is I, I, I was with Tommy on the Cardinals caravan a few years ago, and I thought that he was quiet, humble, respectful. Everybody who came up to him and asked for his autograph and said, we can't wait for your breakout. And he was so nice about it. And thank you very much. And very, very, um, I, I thought very respectful to the veteran leadership and the, the glowing reviews of everybody that was above him. And now he has his opportunity and he's feeling it and he's confident. And so I, you know, I hope the best for him. I'm glad you shared yeah, that last I, part. I think with all yeah. the, the Twitter storm going on right now concerning Tommy Pham, mm-hmm. I think that part needs to be shared also. So thank you for sharing that part about him. Sure. I mean, I, you know, and that's that's okay. Twitter, I, you know I love Twitter, and and everybody <laughs> can uh, can throw their own opinions out there, and it's totally fine. I mean, this is the Twitter to me is like, you know, walking into a sports bar sometimes and we're all sitting around and, you know, it's loud and we're all shooting our opinions out there about the team. And some of them are right. And some of them um, don't really have the background, I guess. And that's okay too. Like, you know, you, you feel what you feel. You watch the game. Look, I don't think this guy, he's not, he's not giving it his best, you know? Well, you know, what you might not know is an injury that he has. Heck, I might not know the injury that he has. They, You know, sometimes they don't tell you everything about what a player's feeling or hurting or what he's been through. So, you know, sometimes uh, my understanding is that we don't always know every little thing that's happening in that clubhouse or with that player. And um, there's a, there's a well, lot. They should tell us. Man- managing a baseball <laughs> team, Mike Matheny gets as much heat as anybody – um, but managing a baseball team is a lot harder than it looks. I'll tell you that. I'm sorry, Doc. Go ahead. Hey, I was going to say, this is, this is Dr. Miles. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you and I met last year during Battle of the Birds in Memphis. Uh, I live here in Memphis, and I, I covered this part of the team. But, you know, I just wanted to make a comment really quickly, and then I have a question for you. But the comment is, we at Redbird Rants, we don't ever disparage Mike Matheny. That just does not happen in any of our writings. So, so don't go looking for it because you just you won't find it here. And if you believe that, right. I do have some beach, beachfront property in the Everglades. That's My right, question exactly. to you is, you mentioned earlier about pulling back the curtain, and that's something that, you know, I know that I can. I'm speaking for Tito as well, but but we are very grateful to to Crash for bringing extra innings and the idea to us. And that part of that is to pull back the curtain of the aspect of the broadcast side of the St. Louis Cardinals. And and I know uh, from seeing you around Derek Gould and, and the other writers when you guys were here last year for Battle of the Birds, there, there's a, a great sense of camaraderie amongst the, the people in media. And, and can you talk to us about that, that family atmosphere, the brotherhood that's there, uh, your relationships with your co uh, with, with fellow writers and fellow broadcasters? Oh, absolutely. I mean, let me start with the group that I was talking about earlier. I mean, we have an incredible broadcast crew. I mean, you really think about, I'll say a few things about each of them real quick. I mean, Mike Shannon is an institution. He is a legend. He is, um, he is baseball to me. And I have learned so much from him and continue to learn from him. And there's absolutely nothing like hearing him talk about a game both on and off the air His just what he sees. He sees a different game than all of us. John Rooney is technically as gifted a broadcaster as you'll ever find. And, uh, and I just love uh, hearing the two of them together. They are just, <laughs> it's, it, 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 you know, to me, 
it makes me so proud to be able to sit there and listen to them, but also because I know them and I know how much care that they put into the broadcast and time that they put into it. And I know what's going on in the background. Jim Jackson sitting to their right, making him sound great with his mix of audio. Mike Claiborne is sitting to their left, working hard, keeping score, keeping track of any, anything that's going on um, behind the scenes. He's doing interviews. He's, he's in there as a, an extra uh, set of eyes for them in the booth and does a terrific job with that on the road. Rick Horton comes in. He gives a perspective that none of us have because he's the only one who's been a major league pitcher um, of that group of, of Shannon Rooney and Claiborne. So Horton comes in and, and becomes this uh, great uh, sounding board when it comes to, to pitching and also playing on the championship level team. And so, you know, listening and being around that group is really special then you go uh one level up to the press box uh, on the top level of bush stadium and you know these are the guys Derek gould and uh you know joe trezza right now who's who's filling in for jen langosh and all of the writers benjamin hockman and, and ben fredrickson and jesus ortiz and uh, the post dispatch and the commish rick hummel and you know, everybody that, that puts in all the time like if you if people only knew and the time that that they spend uh, writing and researching the game so that they live up to the standards of a Bob Bragg and Rick Hummel for that matter, people who have, who have brought the game to us here in St. Louis, um, the writers do uh, just, uh, I think sometimes a thankless job because, um, you know, they, they, what they do sometimes, they put it all out there into an article or a blog or, you know, or whatever it is. And it, um, I, I think there are some times where it's taken for granted, I guess, how much time they spend away from that keyboard before they actually get to the keyboard and write the story. I mean, the, the amount of interviews, transcribing, research, stuff that they do, travel, um, hidden deadlines. So I, I have a ton of respect for them, and I've, I've hung around them since I first started. You know, one of my best friends in the business is Bernie Miklas, and you know he taught me a lot about about going about it the right way. Rick Hummel, you know, watching these guys and what they do. So there is a camaraderie because I think there's an understanding um, that they have of what we do on our side, and 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 I certainly do of uh, of what they. Uh, go through and then you know i think the time that is best for us is spring training because that is the one time where we're all together and every waking hour over at the ballpark you know what once you get to traveling and i don't travel with the team as much i'm in st louis so you know we can be separated there for a while but in spring training we're all there together we're all talking about the club spending a lot of time learning uh, sharing ideas and i think that's um and also my, my affiliation with the Baseball Writers Dinner and the care that they put into making that a great event for the team um, is pretty special, too. we got, we got a good crew going here. Yeah, thank you for telling us about that. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, you shared with us some stories of Jack Buck. Do you have any great stories of Stan the Man? Well, I mean, I'd say my favorite one is I have two of them. So one of my best friends that I grew up with is married to Stan Musial's granddaughter. And I remember at their wedding, um, about a few days before, I, I was talking to Joe Buck. And I said, so I'm in a wedding on Saturday, and it's, Stan Musial's granddaughter is marrying one of my best friends. And Joe's like, oh, man. He said, so Stan, at our wedding, he said he played, he got up and played the harmonica for like an hour. <laughs> and people were <laughs> dancing around. It was unbelievable. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, it, it was just, it was unbelievable. So here we are on Saturday. And Stan is getting a little bit older, but he's moving around just fine. And you know, everyone's having a good time at the reception. And sure enough, here he comes. He walks out in the middle of the dance floor and pulls out that harmonica and starts playing. He said, you know, everybody everybody on the floor, and he starts playing polka, and everyone's dancing around and just went on and on. And, of course, we're taking pictures of him and of each other, and it was just like 
the greatest night ever. Then the other one was that uh, that sticks with me was um, Stan's birthday, and uh, this was, I believe, um, two years before he passed away. It was 2011, I believe, and I know this because Mike Matheny had just been hired as manager. It might have been 12. Um, and so we get um, – I'm doing a, a sports cast on Total Information AM, and I, my lead story was it was Stan's birthday. And I played some highlights, and I talked about him, and um, Brian Schwarzy calls me, and that's Stan's grandson, and we're friends. And he said, hey, I really appreciate what you did this morning on the air. And I'm like, well, I mean, it was Stan Musial's birthday. I, mean, I thought that was pretty cool, and we'd celebrate it and have a good time with it. He said, I'd like to invite you to lunch with us today. We're going to have a lunch for his birthday with a few of his buddies, and I'd love for you to be there. And so I went, and it was the MAC, the Missouri Athletic Club West, and we went um, to the dining room, and they had a table set up, and we had lunch. And we had just an awesome time. We all sat around, and, and they're all, tell- all of his buddies are telling stories. Mike Matheny shows up sits down with us. We're all sitting around and all of his buddies are telling stories. And Stan is, um, he's getting up there in years. So he's very quiet and he's smiling and nodding and, you know, eating his lunch very quietly as we're all getting louder and louder and telling stories. And he reaches, I was like two people away from him. And I look over and he, I see him, he reaches into his sport coat. I, I, I saw it. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but I saw him doing it. And I thought, no way. And he pulls out the harmonica and starts playing. <laughs> and we all, like everyone's, you know, it was one of those things where everyone stopped what they were doing and turned and he starts playing and we start singing. We were singing, you know, for he's a jolly good fellow, you know, and <laughs> it was just like, I'm like, what? I, it was just uh, one of those moments where I wanted time to just stop and I, watched it uh, all unfold right in front of me. Stan Musial's two seats away from me, having lunch, playing the harmonica at his birthday with with all of his old buddies, and I'm here. <laughs> so I can't you know, even imagine. A, yeah. So it was uh, very special. So that's the special thing that I have with, with, that, uh, with, with that legend is not that I knew him personally necessarily, but that I'm close with his family, and, and we are still today, and, in fact, at spring training, I went out to dinner with uh, with his daughter and uh, their family, and we had a really good time. And it didn't take too long before we were telling Stan and Lil stories. So it was great. <laughs> I love it. I've got one more question for you about the connection with people, and that is the, the fact that now you get to have a connection with Jim Edmonds, Rick Ankiel, and uh, others who have come into the booth who were one-time players. Can you talk to us about those relationships and what it's like to transition from broadcasting about a player to broadcasting with a person? Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, I, you know, I, I consider myself to be uh, still a host and reporter and not necessarily, you know, a Cardinals broadcaster. You know, I get, I get uh, my name mentioned with, with some of these Cardinals broadcasters and I always still consider myself to be a media member covering Jim Edmonds, you know, and covering Rick Ankiel as they were playing. And, uh, because I am, you know, I, I'm still covering players, but, but then I'm, I'm working alongside them at times. And, um, it is special. I mean, it, it because, you know, I got to see them as players and got to be around them. And now I get to see them sometimes like in the case of, of Ankiel or, or some of these other players that, that go down to Cardinals fantasy camp. And I've had a chance to play down there is that you, you get to hear their stories and you get to see them a little more relaxed and, you know, proud of the, the career that they've had and the pressure of, of playing is off, is, is off a little bit. Now it's about being a broadcaster and I just love it. I, I just, you know, I sit there and think about, the fact that in 1997, when I walked into the Cardinals clubhouse, you know, Willie McGee was a player. I mean, I was, I was actually 
you know, 22 years old, standing in the corner waiting for him to get to his locker so I could ask him some questions. And now, you know, he's a coach on the team. Or, you know, I was on the fantasy fantasy camp playing, uh, and one of my uh, teammates was uh, Larry Walker, or one of my teammates was Woody Williams. And, and these were players that I covered as a reporter, and now I get to spend a little more time in, a, in more of a relaxed uh, atmosphere and get to – get to see them as people, you know, they're just, these are, these are guys, man. These are, they're like you and me. They're human beings who tried to do a great job and they excelled at something, um, really, really great at something. And the one thing that you notice is they have that drive to be great at everything. So they want to be great broadcasters. They want to be great, uh, fantasy camp coaches. I mean, they, they want to win, man. They want to succeed. It's really cool to be around them. Can you talk a little bit about the fantasy camp experience? That's that's kind of a bucket list item for me. And I, did the did the players enjoy it as much as the participants down there? Yeah, that's interesting. I think they do for sure. Jason Marquis was one who played in it for the first time, and I talked to him afterwards, and he said, "Wow, this was so cool." He said, "I didn't really know what to expect, but I definitely want to come back." I mean, and <clears throat> I think that that the players actually might enjoy it more than we do, because the the former players, it's it's they have a chance to put the uniform on again. They have a chance to spend time around each other. They're telling baseball stories. They're talking strategy. And there's a fraternity among them that we can't ever touch. But we are putting on the uniform and getting out and playing the game. And when they see us getting excited and competing and wanting to win, it gets them fired up. And now we're all on the same page. So, we are playing together. We are giving each other trouble. Uh, we're it, it's it's really a cool thing. And then you know afterwards you have a couple beers together. Everybody's guard is down. You're having a good time. Um, and the one thing that you that you walk away from is that you sort of understand the the history of this franchise and the greatness that's come with it because you see all the players, but that that everybody is in for the Cardinals. I mean, everybody is really, they, they just do a great job of, of the brand itself and what it means to the people who have followed it. And then the impact that they can have in the community. Cause one of the greatest things about fantasy camp is the money that it raises for the mercy foundation. So you really can make a strong impact on the community and the Cardinals definitely do that. So sort of all of those things wrapped in one as Tommy Pham delivers another hit to right field there. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's an experience that it, it, unless you go through it, it's almost hard to describe what that's like to walk into the clubhouse and see a uniform with your name on it that you're going to take home by the way. And, uh, and that you're out there actually playing the game. Now, you know, we've all played at different levels. Some of us are better than others, but it's all about the effort and, and getting out there and, and doing your best to try to get better. And, boy, when you connect with a pitch and deliver a hit in a big situation or you move a runner over or you make a great catch, those things stick with you for a long time, as do the bad plays, too. You drop a ball, you're gonna. now you understand what that's like for a player. You can't carry that to the plate now next time. If I drop a ball in the outfield, and I go back to the plate. I'm still thinking about the drop ball. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do anything at the plate. You have a, it. Kind of gives you a better appreciation for what players go through. Uh, certainly, with all the elements out there, the weather, and then uh, what you can carry with you mentally. Hey Tom, I know we're kind of kind of running long here. Do you have time for a few more questions, or do you need us to wrap sure. it up? No, it's fine. Okay, Tito, do you have anything going on over there? Yeah, I, I have just one question, but go ahead and ask uh, ask yours, and then uh, we can wrap up with mine. It's a good one, okay. I promise. <laughs> I actually I, I have several more questions, but I'll try to narrow it down real quick. I I would be doing a disservice to my little Twitter Twitter deal with Ray Langford making the Hall of Fame. What's your gut feeling? Is he in or out this year? I think it's a tough call. I mean, I, my gut tells me that he's going to be really, really close because Lankford had a huge, huge backing to be on the ballot to begin with. And I think that, you know, his longevity as a Cardinal and 
I just think, you know, the, the process of, of clicking on his name and getting it out there, I, I think he could be at an advantage there over, a, say, like a Keith Hernandez, who I think is certainly worthy as well, but might be considered by some people to be a New York Met. That might be something that he, you know, that 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 uh, some of the older fans would have to really deliver um, – in a voting process like that to get him over the hump. Um, but I think that he's worthy. I think that Scott Rowland is worthy of induction. Um, Vince Coleman belongs on that ballot and, and had some awesome years with him. Lee Smith, Jason Isringhausen, John Tudor. I mean, how in the world are you going to pick I think this is the two? most impressive clash yet. It is. And, uh, you know, we have, a good time putting, we have a good time putting together that ballot, but it's also excruciating because – you know that some people are going to get left off, and but this is a good one. I mean, this is uh, these are it's a really good group right there, and it'll be a good ceremony no matter what. I had a chance to talk to a few of the players on that ballot. We kind of split up the duties of of interviewing all seven of them. So I talked to Hernandez, Roland, and Isringhausen. Uh, Claves talked to uh, Coleman and Tudor and um, Lee Smith and Lankford. So I think Chris Raby actually talked to Lankford. He was the first one we talked to. So that was, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to go through the process and whoever ends up being the two, what a thrill that's going to be. All right. Um, two more questions. One's more kind of a comment. I'll save that for last. Um, obviously you got your, you start pretty young and you, you're living the dream, hometown boy, working just working your dream job and all that. We have a couple young writers on, on the River Grant staff. I wanted to read a quote, and then I wanted to ask if you had any advice for our younger writers. This quote is, when big names come to town, I want to be the guy that does the interviews. When the big games come to town, I want to do them. How did you, how did you come up with that mindset? Is it anything specific? Yeah, that, I did say that, didn't I? Um, I think you want you want to shoot high. You want to you want to keep your goals high and and push towards. I don't think you ever want to to um, to let go of your dreams. So if my dream is to be a broadcaster for a team or a network um, or an event, then I should continue to chase that dream um, as long as I can. But I think that the most important thing is that you are doing your job currently as best as you possibly can because you will get noticed. The best thing that you can do is to do your job, the, the job that you're doing currently, to the very best of your ability because you will absolutely get noticed and respected and people will talk about you. Um, remember I started out basically driving, you know, the van and getting coffee and, and working in the middle of the night and doing whatever they asked me to do. Um, because what I wanted to do was establish some credibility inside the building. I wanted people inside the building to say, I trust that guy with my assignment or filling in for my producer or going out and getting, doing a report or getting this interview. And what that does is it gets you into that uh, into that mindset. So if you if you get some success out of that, you're going to continue to do it. I still feel that way. So I still want everybody in our at our station. You know, the most important thing for me is that I can walk in the door and I can talk shop with everybody at KMOX or in this case now Intercom, which is five radio stations. So I'm still trying to get to know everybody. We just added more employees. I want to be able to talk to them about what they're doing and and be able to have a conversation with them. So I should know marketing. I should know what our website looks like. Is that, is my direct job, you know, people would say, well, you host the morning show and then, you know, what, what, why would you have to know why, how uh, the computer in the control room works? Well, because I might need, I might need to know, or I might need to tell somebody, or I might have to, to go back there and fix it. Or maybe I just want to know how does our signal go out? How does, how does our stream work? Um, what happens in an emergency? You know, what happens when things go wrong? How will we carry ourselves? Uh, what, what do you guys talk about in a marketing meeting? Who are you talking about for advertising? 
You know, how can I help? Can I go out and talk to an advertiser? So my suggestion to somebody um, who is breaking into the business would be to know, first of all, if you're interviewing for a company, get to know that company and everything that they do so that you can talk the language with them. But once you land a job with that company or business, and it's okay to ask, you know, can I sit in on this meeting or, you know, how does this work or what, what, uh, what do you do, um, you know, on, with this project and, and kind of learn a little bit more than, than what you're doing and it'll help you gain a better understanding and actually, you know, you'll start to gain, I think, a little more credibility in your house and, and that's just more people paying attention to the work that you're doing to make the place better and they'll notice you and then you'll be, um, you'll be elevated to something else. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Um, for my side, I'm just going to finish up real quick. I remember tweeting you a while back about when Mr. Wilkerson passed away about how you're the voice of my kids' snow schedule, and that, that remains <laughs> to be true. Um, my, my final comments really are I'm sure your father, Mr. Buck, and Mr. Wilkerson are so proud of you. I think you do a great job, Tom, and I, I'd like to hear more. You do some play-by-play stuff. I think you're really good at that, and I just want to wish you continued to success and, and thank you for your time tonight i really really appreciate it well i really appreciate it it's a that's a very humbling thing and and uh, you know i miss my dad a whole lot and and uh, i know that he's looking down and proud of everything that's that's happened and, and, and i just want to make all those guys proud and uh and my final thing to you guys is i and i really mean this not just because i'm on this show but you know i love reading um, everything that's out there on social media. And I love the fact that so many people take an interest in the Cardinals and in, it, it, it's, it's just so good for St. Louis, man. I mean, we just need it. Like the city needs, they, we need the Cardinals. We need people to pay attention to what's happening in, in town. But I just, uh, I can't get enough information when it comes to this team. I guess I'm a lot like our fan base. I, I always look at the Cardinals as, like an Alabama or a, or a Kentucky basketball where we just can't be totally satisfied. We have a hunger for information and that's because we care. So if you ever, if you ever get into a situation where you're on Twitter, or you're looking on social media and you think, gosh, why is everybody reacting like this? Or, you know, why are they saying this about Matheny or Tommy Pham or whoever the person may be? Well, guess what? You could be in a market where nobody cares. And you could be, you could be in the middle of a season that has zero hope whatsoever. Um, there is absolutely nothing like a passionate fan base, one way or the other. It's always going to be uh, a lot of fun, and um, for you guys to to take on the interest in the team is just huge, man. It's just it's huge for the for the business. So we appreciate you. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, you know what? I'm going to hold my my last question because I I feel like that's a a perfect ending for us. Um, Tom, I I really do appreciate uh, everything you do for the St. Louis Cardinals and and for the city of St. Louis. And um, I'm I'm with Crash on this one. I I would love to hear you do some more play-by-play. I think you do do a great job. And I'm looking forward to uh, the next time we get a chance to speak and – um, hopefully the Cardinals are still doing well. And, uh, man, by the way that Flaherty looks right now, uh, it'd be hard to send him back down. I, I guess that's my last comment to you. Boy, he looks he looks filthy, doesn't he? My dog, <laughs> yeah. is, uh, my dog is running circles around here. Uh, he wants to – he wants to play. But what's cool is every time, every time that I would answer uh, a question to you guys, he gets up and – pays attention and I think he likes hearing my voice and then I he but he also is uh starting to get this I I think he likes this sitting around daddy's happy watching the Cardinals I think I think these (laughs) dogs can tell when you're ticked off when (laughs) when they're walking too many people they're not getting on base to win they're hitting bombs and putting up zeros Uh, this is I'll tell you I'm not going to get too excited because it's a long baseball season but Mm -hmm. I think this team's a little bit better than we thought I would I would certainly agree with that. Um, um, if anybody doesn't have any other questions, I think uh, 
we'll we'll say goodbye for now, Tom. I, we again we appreciate you coming on board with us tonight, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on here again to talk some more Cardinal baseball soon. I would love to do it. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, okay, thank you, thanks, Tom. Tom. So that was Tom Ackerman of KMOX. We appreciate his time and his commitment to uh, talking Cardinals baseball with us here on Extra Innings. We are going to take a quick, quick break, so stick with us. We'll be right back. And we're back with Extra Innings. Man, Crash, Dr. Miles, that was such a great conversation once again. Last week we had Ben Hockman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. This week we have Tom Ackerman of KMLX. And yet again, the conversation just just continues to amaze me. And, and just the knowledge and the stories that uh, Mr. Ackerman has, it was just something that you can't even possibly dream of, right? I was a big fan when, when Mr. Buck would tell stories that I think I'm just the biggest fan of hearing Tom tell stories of Jack Buck telling stories. It, I can listen to it for hours. Right. Uh, and and that's the yeah. thing. I mean, he he was able to experience those legends that we know um, and, and some, you know, for our younger listeners and all that and, you know, our younger writers, you know, there is that sense of you, you know, kind of uh, the unknown of what it was like back then. So, yeah, it was yeah. great. Dr. Miles, you had, you had something? Yeah, I was going to add to that. I agree with you guys entirely. And, and I also love what he talked about in the sense of being engaged in the business and the camaraderie and the friendships and the mutual respect that exists between the broadcasters and the writers and the writers to the broadcasters. And just that, I mean, that is just, that, that's outstanding. And I had never even for a minute considered until we were talking to him the idea of transitioning from player to broadcaster and having then that relationship, uh, which is a little bit different. And I, I am so grateful to Tom for sharing those stories and so grateful to you, Crash, for coming up with the idea of pulling this curtain back on this aspect of Cardinals baseball. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I'm having an absolute blast and couldn't have done it without the opportunity. So that, that falls on you guys. So thank you again. Uh, there was there was one thing I, I thought I felt was very interesting, and I I hate to beat a dead horse here, but I I do want to revisit that Tommy Pham issue or the article um, because there is a lot of chatter about him, the way he went about saying things, his profanity, his very obvious abrasiveness, you know, in his quotes. Do you guys feel like he was overboard on that, or do you think you know that's just that's just Tommy. That's how he is. And, you know, we just need to come to that reality. Well, I if think I it's just Tommy. Cover, it's just part um, of, part of his confidence. It's just how he expresses himself. And I don't think he goes out of his way to offend people. I, I just think he's Tommy being Tommy. And, and I agree with you, Crash. I, I think that what we got in that article there's a lot of truth that was shared there, and it's Tommy's mm-hmm. truth. But in, in him sharing his truth, he gave us that view into his view of things. And, I mean, listen, the, the parts of that article that really resonated and, and shook me to my core was less to do with him as a player and more to do with him and his upbringing. And, and quite honestly, if you come from that upbringing and the trials that he – you know, suffered through and, and his tenacity to, to be so hard-nosed even as a, as a child, the language to me, while being strong, did not feel out of place because, I mean, this, this kid's a fighter. And, and I have to tell you something. I saw him in Memphis when he was going through that checkout phase. And so when he was talking about that in the article, I can tell you firsthand that was 100% true. He did not want to be there. You could feel it. You could be in his presence and just know that something was not right about his mental state in, in regard to the St. Louis Cardinals organization, in regard to the Memphis Redbirds. But I tell you what, guys, I there were moments in reading that that I, I could feel some tears welling up. I mean, what a tough, tough existence 
both as a player and just coming up in life. Yeah, and, I agree. And I think, yeah, it, it, it certainly <clears throat> does, you know, hit you to the core realizing, you know, what kind of upbringing. And, and it's a good reminder to everybody out there that not everybody has the same, uh, the same kind of uh, upbringing. You know, we don't all have the same kind of privilege uh, of getting everything we want or have every, having everything we want uh, growing up. I, I think what the main takeaway that I took from this is that you you get to you get to realize from a player's perspective of just how hard it is to be a major league baseball player. It, it's just the simple fact that it is a business, as uh, as Tom was saying. But at the same time, these guys are human beings. They go through emotions. They are mad. They're angry. They're sad. You know, they get happy. But to be a major league baseball player, the mentality, the mental toughness that you need to have, it, it just goes beyond, you know, anything that I could ever, you know, go through. And, and it's you can see that it took a toll on Tommy. But I think now – with the success that he had in 2017, you know, he believes that he is the best player in baseball right now. Uh, and that's the sense that I get, and, and maybe that is the case. And, hey, listen, I'd take an entire team. I'd take every position out there to <laughs> yeah. the best player in baseball, especially with what he's continuing to put up this season. I mean, the man's out there with a, with a passion and a fire, and I don't mind seeing that at all. I don't either. I actually think it's refreshing. Uh, I don't want to knock any current or former Cardinals, but the ho-hum, Chuck's attitude, it it has driven me nuts. I I like a little emotion. I mean, obviously you still have to be a little respectful, but I love the emotion. I love the kick in the ass. I I love it. Yeah, I I do too. And and that's what makes him a special player at this point, and, and we hope for his continued success. Um, as well as the, you know, the team's success. Well, um, guys, do you guys have anything else you guys wanted to add to tonight's show? I have one thing I wanted to, I I have one thing that I wanted to add, and that was a a takeaway for me from these last uh, two episodes of Extra Innings. I am so grateful and humbled by the generosity of these two gentlemen who have joined us over these last two weeks. And I'm also very much moved by, I mean, we know that they're just real, real guys and humans, but there's a humility about what they do that is very refreshing and very welcoming. And I mean, these guys gave us an hour of their time to talk about what they do all day long that they get paid for. And yet they're here with us and we're not giving them anything. But it, it, it's just really, really refreshing, really wonderful. I'm, I'm grateful to the St. Louis media for being so kind and welcoming. And, I mean, my gosh, what they're doling out to us is gold, you know. And so grateful to them, very moved by their humility. And uh, I, that was, that's been a huge takeaway for me. Yeah, I, I can't really add to that. You summed it up pretty good. Uh, I, I'm going to end it on, on my side with that. that. That was a great summary right there. Awesome. Well, I, I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight on Extra Innings. You can catch us all our articles on RedbirdRants.com. Check out our podcast section. We also have an official Redbird Rants podcast that goes every Thursday as Jose Martinez gets his third hit of the night. So he's three for three, and the Cardinals are winning four to zero right now. Um, so hopefully they can hang on and win this game. And guys, go Cards. <laughs>